Imagine for a moment that you're laying on the operating table and you're replacing every one of your neurons with microchips. And when you're doing that, it changes you. But how does it change you? Uh, Steve, we need to talk. Okay, so you're telling me that I'm completely misunderstanding the whole point of this topic. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I think there's a couple of things to touch on. First off, I think it's really important to introduce our guest here today, the one and only shitbag exclusive, Gideon. How's it going, G? How you doing? I'm a, I'm a real shitbag. Very good. Excited to be here. <laughs> Fantastic. Yep, and of course I am Nate, and that is... Meter. And we're here to talk about philosophical quandaries today, such as the one teased by Steve at the beginning of the show. But apparently wrong. Could you do me a favor and kind of explain it to me for the fourth time so I actually understand it? <laughs> the fourth time? Okay, okay. Just give me a second. What am I explaining again? Okay, so you were saying that there's a philosophical question... Um, to me, it sounds kind of sci-fi, but like if you if you could create a synthetic neuron that it worked exactly the same as the neurons in your brain and someone was to cut said person's head open and replace each neuron one at a time with a synthetic neuron, how would that affect you, your conscience? How would that affect you? Are you still a, a human being? Um, et cetera, all of the, the various questions that this could pose. Is that more accurate? Yeah, yeah. And part of the primary question is, if you were to do this, would you be the same you consciously? So would you die consciously? Because it's a gradual process. So that's the main thing with the thought experiment. So would it be the same you that gets transferred over into there? I mean, that's the main question in my mind, at least. No, I, I definitely think that's a, a good question and it's a great place to start. Um. Now, have you given this much thought yourself, Nathan? I've tried to, but just completely failed on many accounts. Uh, Gideon, has you ever heard of this before? Um, I've talked about stuff that's uh, similar. Um, I think uh, the real question here is that if is there something special about organic material that creates consciousness versus synthetic material? Um, and it also goes to the idea that... Um, could a computer or something synthetic ever have a consciousness and the idea that we have of it? My fear is that we need to start with some definitions of what exactly is consciousness, because I feel that that's where I'm going to lack the most is when you say consciousness, what exactly do you mean? So in this instance, consciousness would be a particular instance of yourself. So if we imagine, say, two twins, or actually, not even two twins, so let's imagine two different clones of someone. Those two clones are kind of the same genetically. They may, be, may even be the same, you know, physically, but they're two different people. If you kill one, the other doesn't die. So, in this kind of instance, you know, re, uh, creating the synthetic brain wouldn't necessarily kill the you that everybody sees. You might behave, act, and 
do everything the same, but does your particular consciousness die? That's the question of consciousness that is laid out here. Mm-hmm. So is that to say that at some point for your consciousness to die, would it need to stop? Would you need to stop being a conscious being at some point in order for you to die? Or in this instance, like, are you knocked out when they're replacing these neurons? And then after they replace each one, you're woken back up? Or is it all conscious? You're conscious the whole time. So are you saying that the, the you need to be conscious for the whole time in order for the for it to transfer over. So if you were asleep, let's say, that you would have not have your tra- consciousness transferred over? I'm saying it would be an easier argument uh, if there was a point where you were no longer actively conscious to say that your consciousness died versus if you... Consciousness is like a stream from the way I imagine it. So if you if it's never stopped, then it would never be... It would never die. It would be like replacing a cell anywhere in your body. It's It's still you, even though you shed all of your old cells and completely replace them every whatever the statistic is. Is it like seven years or something? Mm. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I'm still kind of hung up on the thought of consciousness and um, I'm thinking a lot of in terms of input and output, right? Uh, what distinguishes uh, computer and synthetic from organic. Um, and I know uh, as far as our senses go, uh, it's constant stream of input output right um but with computers it's a it needs a a master right whereas um and they're they're developing it past that sort of point with ai and such right but it's still um it still needs the the input from some sort of um outside source some sort of intervention still an organic mind um so as far as consciousness is concerned, is it just a matter of mm, you don't need a, a you know uh, outside of a, a superior being like a god or something. You don't need some sort of um, input from another uh, creature or another sentient being. So there's a level of independence in your mind with the consciousness. Exactly. I don't want to say free will exactly, but. Um, you know, pragmatically, like how we think of free will. I mean, would it be safe to say like a compatibilism definition of free will where it's, you know, compatible with determinism? Yes. If we know what consciousness is, and let's say we have an understanding of it, and let's say it's possible for the AI to be created with consciousness, is it possible to create something that's more conscious than us, in a way? I mean, this is already assuming we know what consciousness is, which we obviously don't. Mm. But is it possible for us to create something that is conscious and more conscious than us? And it's for me, it's hard to think about because evolution kind of created our consciousness. And that's just a kind of not random factor, but it's, it's nothing intended in that. It's just a result of thousands and millions of years and billions of years. Well, by saying that in itself, you're saying you're using the word more when you're explaining consciousness. So does that not imply that we're already at a level of consciousness that's more than somebody, something else? And how is that even possible? Uh, I mean, I'd say certainly, like, look at uh, the greater apes, right? They, they seem to display a sense of consciousness, but it's on a completely, or what we would think, a lower level than, than human beings. Yeah, I, I would agree with getting on that. For instance, for instance, caterpillars have very little sense of awareness. Uh, amoebas even a little you know even less sense when you start getting into 
even octopi. Octopi don't have a brain. They have a distributed central nervous system. And so it's like each part of your body is conscious of itself, but it's not conscious of the whole thing. So that gets into a very weird kind of topic and area where you can have something that behaves like it's consciously, but it's no actual kind of central, central kind of thing controlling itself. Whereas, you know, these mammalian species, like such as us, we have a central, central hub and we can see like, that we are more conscious because we can actually kind of look at those, that central hub in detail. Is a central hub absolutely necessary? Because I'm thinking something like uh, like a swarm of bees. Those can act. They're all acting independently, but they're all doing the same thing. And in a way, it it seems like they're all being controlled by one master conscience, like a like a hive mind. Yeah, exactly. It just came to me thinking of a, a little thought thing for input output um, with. Uh, sort of a higher level of consciousness, right? We could be trapped in a room with no windows, just all white wall, right? And we could still have a, a stream of thought and action. Uh, whereas with that octopus, right, that the central nervous system it has is in response to, to direct intervention from the outside, whether it's a predator or prey, right? But um, say humans, right, we're trapped in that that white room uh you you could run up the wall do a wall flip you you could decide to do things all on your own without having um you know any sort of suggestion Uh, i guess idea of creativity so you're saying uh, an input isn't necessarily well necessary for humans to have consciousness or in another way pick another way would you be saying that the input's kind of put on itself so the input is its own brain in a way exactly yeah uh the the input's exactly it's its own brain it doesn't need um uh, it's coming up with its own actions right there's there's nothing stimulating or um uh promoting anything you would do in that case in that room whereas uh you know the octopus i guess you fill it with water but it's just gonna swim around mindlessly it's not gonna ink or um, you wouldn't expect it to like try and eat something that's not there. So what makes doing a wall flip more conscious than swimming around aimlessly? Well, I mean, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I suppose there's a uh, intent to your action objective. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's like objective intent there. Mm-hmm. Um, as objective as that could be, but you know, if you had a, a room full of viewers, um, and I suppose they would have to be uh, conscious viewers, uh, but they could acknowledge that there was intent in you doing that wall flip, whereas uh, there doesn't seem to be rhyme or reason to an octopus octopus, or even like in a fish tank, right? Uh, there's no rhyme or reason to like how the fish uh, really swim around and let, until food is put in there. Right, to kind of flip that on its head for a second, with the case of, say, the sensory uh, animal, say an octopus in this extent, example it's not that there's not a rhyme or reason it's rather that it's really rather programmed you know quite well to behave in a particular way whereas with the human it's not programmed to behave in a particular way and therefore it kind of doing a front flip or doing random things and within the wall it's kind of not being programmed it's mm. you can describe it as creativity but it's also kind of uh, it's the lack of programming or yes. it's kind of the openness yeah you know i don't know if we've run that dry i think a, another way um to examine consciousness is uh, contemplation of one's own existence. Does that make sense? Uh, you know, like it seems fairly obvious, like uh, octopi, uh, uh, 
aren't really considering like why why am I here or uh, or what has led me to be where I am right now. Uh, whereas you you do I mean we clearly see that in humans uh, and uh, I'd say some greater apes. Are you touching on the fact that they can recognize that they are they have a self and that they are a, a being be able to take action on other things? Or you it sound it it sounds kind of like you're taking a step further than that as well and saying not just I am but asking questions about why am I am, why I am. Uh yeah, I mean it, it's sort of like um it's sort of Cartesian, right? Like I think therefore I am. Um but I, I mean I'd say that that's like a distinguishing factor of of consciousness, right? The computer doesn't you put in an input for it to do whatever task or whatever you want it to do, and it doesn't spit back, uh, why do you want me to do this? Uh, whereas, you know, a, a human or an ape is going to provide some sort of resistance, humans more so. Right. And uh, I think I saw something on Reddit a while, about, a while ago, and it was about uh, caterpillars, and when they do a whole cocooning thing and they come out, they ever like wonder, what the fuck am I doing? They come yeah. out with, what the fuck am I? What, does the fuck, what the fuck happened? And I definitely think it's true that humans, you know, we have those same kind of moments. Like, we go to a toilet, let's say, two or three times a day, and we kind of defecate this kind of shit out of our body. But we know why we're doing it, right? It's not like, what the fuck am I doing? It's Chipotle. like... Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I do it. I mean, there's very little we do that we're not confused by even like masturbation for instance you know we have a drive to reproduce and this drive to reproduce is coming out in this kind of sexual kind of drive and this kind of feeling to kind of touch ourselves mm-hmm. so understanding why we're taking impulsive actions to you is um adds on to the fact that the the proof that we have a higher conscience than the caterpillar who is going into a cocoon and is just doing it impulsively without thought of why right right because there's just the programming that we have and it's not that the programming is bad. It's not that we don't act according to that programming. But rather, it's that the programming, like, we know why we're programmed that way. We know, self-aware. Yes, self-awareness. And we have the capability of, of analyzing that, right, and studying it in scientific method and, and whatnot. And changing it? To an extent, right? That's sort of the point of psychology. Mm. Uh, just a complete side tangent not on topic at all but caterpillars going into cocoons are so cool because when they go into the cocoon their body turns into liquid when they're in a cocoon they are 100% liquid and then they reform as a butterfly and come out are they full on liquid or are they like semi-solid they're full on liquid no brain no anything they're a liquid and then they reform as a fucking butterfly that makes no sense but it's like amazing like a dna like goop a a primordial ooze absolutely and it comes out a goddamn butterfly i mean one question that i'd have about that bringing it back to consciousness damn you would be you know does the butterfly let's say the butterfly was conscious would it then kind of die because of that because you know it's like if you were to take my molecules and just kind of spread them all out across mm-hmm. the uh, the room right now, and then you say like uh, ten minutes later, put them back together, even in the right way, that, that'd kill me, right? So you're saying, does the caterpillar die when the butterfly is born? Right, right. It's consciousness.
I mean, if it, it's turning to like full goop, I I can't imagine that it has any uh, you know previous acknowledgement of being a caterpillar. Does it have acknowledgement of being a caterpillar in the first place? No, no, probably not, because you know it's such a, a simple creature. But even so, like the butterfly isn't like oh boy it's so fun to fly like it never at the point it's a butterfly it never even knew what it was like to live without flying just for the sake of argument i gotta throw out there that we have no proof that the butterfly doesn't question why am i we just know that we can't we'll never know so we have to assume based off of various uh assumptions that have to be made that it it doesn't know I, I, would, I would agree with that on a epistemological level. Okay. So we, we can't have proof of that necessarily. But we can figure that it doesn't most likely because of its, its brain is just not made for that kind of shit. And at very least, for the sake of argument and conversation, we're going to make that assumption. That it, it doesn't question why it exists. I hope that's the case because that'd be kind of sad if it did. <laughs> is that how you feel sad that you question why you exist i feel sad for the butterfly because you know what's the fucking news is they're gonna fly around i mean oh, all, okay well i mean like if you look at uh, uh you know what creatures start doing once they start gaining that level of consciousness they seem to have a lot more uh, uh autonomy right mm-hmm. and you know if it's able to to contemplate its own existence you have to think it has all the I- other higher reasoning skills Right. Um, I just don't see how like one could could be like, why have be able to think like, why am I here? But not have the same sort of uh, problem solving of like mathematics and whatnot. So the argument there would be kind of an evolutionary argument. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So essentially, we have these problem solving skills because that was in our evolutionary history. A butterfly was a dude that needs problem solving skills for. Well, you know, and and clearly, it, if it had the problem-solving skills, uh, you know, it'd be a better um, survivor. I think most most of it survives just sort of on mass, um, whereas, say, uh, you know, ape species uh, sort of have like clever survival skills. Right, can outsmart their predators. Don't be hating on the butterfly. It's do. It's probably been around longer than humans. Oh yeah, but I mean, like it, it is at the. It, if humanity wanted to enslave butterflies, it wouldn't be very difficult. So our power to enslave butterflies makes us more conscious. Yeah. Oh. Okay. And and does that boil down I to mean, having well, power over other species? Well, yeah, the butterflies aren't going to revolt. <laughs> I mean, uh, that'd be scary. Butterflies like the ultimate slaves. Yeah. They're not going to revolt. They're going to do all the work. <laughs> We're going to have a shit ton of beautiful flowers. <laughs> We're going to pollinate the shit out of the fields. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck the bee problem. Let's just enslave the butterflies. Is there really a bee problem? I haven't done any research on that, so I can't talk to it. Have you, Nathan? I've done a little research just yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Are beekeepers bee enslavers? Well, you would have to assume there that the bees have a consciousness and a will that you can subjugate. And as far as we can tell, they don't. It's like like cows. cows I mean, cows have a consciousness, but they're not very will-oriented. 
Yeah, like if I feel like if you can be herded, you don't really have a conscious. Like if your if your species is determined uh, almost completely by groupthink and it has no way to escape that, like you don't see like one cow um, being like, "Oh no, uh, I'm gonna stray from the pack." There's, there's not. I mean, there's we have like cute stories like the black sheep, right? But that just doesn't happen in nature. Have you ever seen a Black Friday mall opening? I'd say that's the <laughs> ultimate group thing and being able to be herded. Yeah, but the but I mean, we have examples of of us like staying behind, right? That mm. for every person going to Black Friday and getting trampled, there's one staying at home being like, "I'm not going into that shit." You know? <laughs> right. Another way to put that maybe would be that the cows that did go outside the group think, you know, that you know behaved on their own independently, they probably just died. You know, the farmer didn't keep them around mm. or slaughtered them just instantly. <laughs> In instant death. <laughs> Instantly. Like, he had a sniper rifle. Brought down the wrath of God. <laughs> Where do you think you're going? Oh, boy. <laughs> Pulling us back from the butterflies into this thought experiment that we started with, I think, uh, I, I kind of have a question because I was thinking about, um, so if you're replacing it one neuron at a time, it seems like, at very least, G and I agree, and, and you might as well, that it, it seems pretty obvious there should be no difference. If the, if the synthetic is exactly the same as the organic, there should be no difference thought-wise. Yeah, I would pretty much agree with that. Because what, organic life isn't special in any kind of way besides that evolved. But, you know, from a compound material, you know, compound-wise, I can say that word, molecularly, you know what's special about organic molecules as opposed to non-organic i mean i i think the the only real one is time right mm -hmm. um you know these these organic molecules they've sort of had uh millions of years to develop into the supercomputer they are uh whereas you know any one person only has a lifetime to develop any kind of synthetic material mm. and i think um uh, going along the same idea of time is the degradation over time so while organic material will be able to replicate itself and continue going on without anything else having to give it an input other than you know basic food drink all of that uh, something synthetic would need to be manufactured to be replaced it wouldn't be replaced on its own based off of its own interior coding but with the ability to replace it to physically replace it versus an organic thing which has a natural termination date you could live longer as long as you knew how to re how to create your own brain would a uh, synthetic creature be able to keep itself alive by manually replacing its own neurons well there's actually an argument about viruses and viruses are essentially computer programs that will kind of replicate themselves by going from pc to pc and to kind of infect other PCs, you know, hopefully, un not hopefully, but unknowns to the user. And there's some been some viruses programmed to kind of uh, self-modify in some small degrees. So in a way, we have a natural selection effect where the viruses will kind of sneak themselves into computers. The ones that do really well will kind of go to other computers. And the ones that don't will die off. Mm -hmm. mm. But I don't think that hits on the same point necessarily as... Um, something as, as deep as a, a human brain, like, like G was saying, being able to, would you be able to, to perpetually keep yourself alive by replacing your own brain over time? 
like it's going to rust or whatever the synthetic material is made of over time it's going to degrade that's just a fact so it would need to be replaced could you replace your own and in doing so keep yourself alive perpetually oh and i mean like the the other questions that that come into play are what's the power source right where the human body or like the the sodium pumps right that create electricity would that be uh, sufficient enough for the synthetic or do they need a sort of alternate power source i imagine if we're to the point where we're replacing the brain it's it's functioning in the same exact way as a as something biological as something organic uh, exact same chemicals and everything i mean uh, some something about it would have to be different to make it synthetic like what it's made out of but all of the properties of it would be the same such as uh, amount of power going into it how it affects other things etc well, if you put it into disguise, imagine you don't replace each part, but you put it into a computer program, per se. Let's, let's say it's a computer program instead of like actual kind of a network there. I mean, there's no need to replace parts with a program. You just have to keep the computer running, right? So all you need is electricity and you know working parts for that computer, and you can actually transfer that program over to different computers if you wanted to. Mm. So that way it kind of takes out the kind of maintenance of actual physical components. You just have to like make sure the program is there and that's you know, able to change itself in these kind of different ways. Well, the program itself is still has physical parts to it. It still exists in a physical way because you can run out of space on your computer or your iPhone because you don't have enough, um, whatever, uh, whatever it's called Ram or whatever. I'm not, I'm very computer ignorant. So I'm sorry for that. So I'm going to say, but my point is, it does take up physical space. So there is a physical aspect to it, even if it's not just necessarily keeping the computer going. It does exist in a physical way. Mm -hmm. But the point I was making is you don't really see the physical degradation with, say, a computer program. So if you have like a basic Hello World program with a computer, you know, the, the text is there. The, the data doesn't die. And if you are you know, transformed into data, you don't have to maintain the data. The data is already there. So you have to maintain the components that are composed of the data, but you don't have to maintain necessarily the data. So, so now it's really like books. Mm. Like books are data comprised, right? And books can, you know, have wear and tear. They can start smudging. The text might get a little fuzzy. But the data contained within that books are, you know, very objective, very reasonable. Um, this gives me a sort of side thought. Um, I remember, I can't remember where I heard it, but it's something to the effect of... Um, Part of what makes the human mind so creative is that it doesn't have a um, like a, a perfect representation of anything it's ever received, right? So um, you even if you were trying to go out and do a math problem, it's still going through the steps. It, there's very few things that are, are memorized um, just by part, right? It, your, your brain goes through what, what however fast it, it does go through it but specifically with like memories right um you you never uh, have a memory that's exactly how it happened um and there's some i mean clearly right there's there's some part of that that is productive right of not being able to recall things right so you notice um these people who who have like the incredible minds who can do long division to like 20 decimal places in flat seconds are usually pretty bad at math. Um, they're incredible at calculation, um, but not so great at math. So um, would that sort of 
uh, lack of uh, degradation um, and decay um, affect the synthetic in some way. Whereas uh, we get, we draw a lot of creative advantages by not having the, not remembering things exactly as they were. So in a way, that's kind of drawing a juxtaposition between, say, procedural kind of programming and mm-hmm. you know non-procedural programming. So a computer has a very you know, strict procedure it follows to determine, say, various things. So like a camera that can detect like faces has a very strict procedural algorithm there. Mm-hmm we don't necessarily have a strict procedural algorithm. So if we see something that looks like a face, we try to figure out if it is the face. And if we eventually find out it is a face or isn't a face, you know, that gets updated into our brains and we can kind of play around with that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's tons of, like, cross-referencing that has to go on, right? It travels down probably, uh, you know, an infinite amount of wrong paths um, before it reaches the... before you might reach the right path, right? Um... Whereas the computer is going to go straight to the right path. It's like, oh, I know exactly what this is, or, you know, I know what this input is, else error. Mm, so we say right path, you don't necessarily mean the right path, like correct, you know, philosophically in a way, you know, mm. not, not objectively correct, but the right path, you know, the computer will be you know, very happy to say, this is the solution to the problem, right? Exactly. But exactly. it doesn't know whether the solution is correct or not. Mm-hmm. We're definitely going to cover more, perhaps not about philosophy. But next time, you'll find out what it is on We Need to Talk.